0: And ultimately exit successful group practices in short we create clarity confidence and results welcome everybody to season two episode 49 of the group practice accelerator podcast a gut check for 2023 that's right a gut check not a gut punch i think this is going to be a note-taking episode so do get a pad and pen ready and certainly through another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee the group practice accelerator podcast is on the air welcome everyone once again to the group practice accelerator podcast I am your host Perrin Desports and if my voice sounds a little shaky this morning it's because I'm getting over a bout of the flu I have not had the flu in decades and it hit our family like a sledgehammer the week before thanksgiving i'm much better now i'm obviously up and around but i i still have some lingering chest congestion and i'm sure that comes across when you're not hearing my mellifluous voice let's put it that way but i feel good i feel sharp and i feel like recording an episode today this is going to be a lot of fun and as i prefaced uh or teased in the introduction I actually do think you might want to take some notes on today's show. Before I dive into the the content, I want to say a quick word of thanks to everybody. Um, I I say this occasionally, uh, and I really do mean it, that DeWalker and I are so grateful to have all of you in the audience. uh, and, And many of you have been followers of ours for multiple years now going back to the prior company even and every time i get an email from somebody in the audience asking a question or something like that or when they book a call with me off of our website um and they say you know how would you hear about us and they always indicate podcast uh, we always get a, a lot of nice compliments hey i've been a follower of the podcast forever you guys do a great job on your podcast i really appreciate your episode on xyz all that kind of stuff I I just want you to know how much I appreciate that. Um, I see all of that that comes into my inbox. I filter most of it. Um, I'm the one that takes most of the calls and, and trades emails with so many of you. And I'm grateful. Um, we do work hard at our podcast. We work hard at everything we do, but we certainly work hard at the podcast. And I want to make it impactful for you. I want to make it actionable. Um, I want you to learn something. Uh I, I believe we have a lot to share. And judging from the you know candid feedback unsolicited that i get from so many of you I, I think it lands really really well and i just want you to know that i appreciate all your compliments i appreciate all your your ratings on apple Podcasts and all the others um and and it means a lot and sometimes it kind of keeps us going too so i know that's sort of an odd thing to to kick off with but i, I just want to say that i'm grateful um all of us here at polaris are grateful for your support and being in the audience one thing I would ask of you um, is that as you continue your learning journey and building a group practice, maybe think of one colleague that you have in the wild blue yonder um, that is thinking about building a group or is currently building a group, or somebody who would benefit from uh, the the subject matter that we share. and And I would ask that you share our podcast with them. Um, our podcast is growing by leaps and bounds every month. I see that in the downloads. On a relative point of comparison, it took us about eight to nine months to get to the first 10,000 downloads. It took us about almost six months to get to the second 10,000, and it's less than four months. We're about to hit the third 10,000. So I can see the the episode downloads going up um, every week, uh, and we look at them consistently uh and the show grows because people like you share the show with your colleagues uh and that's very easy to do directly off the podcast if you hit the little three dot button and they'll usually in the lower right and it'll say something like share show or share episode or something like that you can text it to somebody and just say hey I, I, you know i like following these guys you might to subscribe to the podcast you know and That's the way our our audience grows. Um, And like I say, we're appreciative of all the compliments you pay our way. Uh, And certainly we're very appreciative when when we know we've added new subscribers. And the way I know that is because we drop these episodes every Tuesday. So our our downloads go up substantially on Tuesday, but on a random Friday or a random Sunday or some random day of the week, I'll see that we had a couple of hundred downloads that day. And I'll, I'll think to myself, well, somebody, somebody shared our show with a colleague and and the colleague liked it. And they went back and they binged everything we put out over a hundred episodes and and they're listening to all of them. So again, we're grateful for that. And anything you'd be willing to do to share the show uh, would certainly help us out and we appreciate it. So all of that being said, gratitude now on the side, let's get to the subject matter at hand. And I preface this by saying it's it's an episode I'm calling gut check for 2023. It's not a gut punch. I think there's enough negativity in the airwaves, um, in the news, everything you read about, everything you listen to, talk about a looming recession, uh, looming layoffs, um, you know, inflation, uh, so forth and whatnot. There's plenty of that to go around. Let's put that on the sidelines for a second and let's talk about 2023, all of us go through an end-of-year kind of general assessment. We look back on the year that we're about to close. Was it successful? Was it not? We think about the year to come. What do we need to do? What are we not going to do? All that sort of stuff. And this is typically a time of year when people think through where they've come from and where they are going. And I think that's a healthy thing to do. Um, I'm not really a New Year's resolution guy, I am a planning guy. I'm not going to wait for New Year's to, to make new resolutions. If there's something I need to change, I'm going to get on it. But you know that DeWalker and I go through a quarterly planning session and an annual planning session that's greater length to set the goals and objectives for Polaris. Many of you do that as well. Uh, and here's some things to think about for those that are going to be spending some time with a a pot of coffee uh, a legal pad and um some writing instruments if you will so the first thing i would tell you um is we all need to gain a lot of clarity around what i would consider to be margin for error at home okay this is not about the business this is about you and me and our families so first things first margin for error at home what do i mean by that we all enjoy making money um it beats the alternative right we also like um the uh uh, the opportunities to buy expensive toys and to spend money um, wherever we would like to. Some of that's travel, some of it's eating out, some of it's, you know, uh, a second home or nice cars. It's kids in private school. it It's all of that, right? And none of us do what we do for free. And part of being a successful entrepreneur does come back to um, affording yourself some level of luxuries, discretionary spending. That being said, if we're not, mindful about it, if we're not intentional about it, is a better way of putting it, our expenses can rise to the level of our income. And that's a dangerous situation to have happen. And it tends to happen when you're not paying attention to it. Um, I would just tell you, trust me, I speak from experience on this. So when we make money and we think that there's always more money and we have enough money, we tend to, to monitor our spending patterns um, with less of a fine tooth comb, and we we don't really monitor the cash outflows. So the first thing to think in mind when it comes to keep in mind when it comes to uh, creating margin for error at home is to simply look at your personal income level. Uh, And your family's expenses of those expenses, how many are fixed or what what's the amount that is fixed, fixed being kids in private school, it's uh, a home mortgage uh, or car payments or insurance, uh, health insurance and disability insurance, you know, things like that, that that are not going to fluctuate, they're not going to change um on a month-to-month basis unless you take dramatic action to do so. All right. So these are expenses that are fixed and they're they're things that we, for all intents and purposes, don't have the ability to influence. Then they're variable expenses, eating out, going to see a pro sports team or a show, um all all the discretionary fund uh discretionary spending that you have on a monthly basis. Where does it go? How much of it are you really spending And when you look at your fixed expenses and your variable expenses, how close are they to to maxing out your uh, net income level on a take-home basis? And if you don't have margin for error, if there's not any float between your income and your total expenses, now's the time to pump the brakes on the home front and take a hard look at that, again, I speak from experience. I had to go through this about six months ago. We're not out the tail end of it yet. Um, I think it's important to look at all your variable expenses and then from a fixed expense structure, what is truly necessary and what is not. You need to create margin for error on an income versus expense base on the home front because most of us are using our business to fund all of our personal lifestyle choices and when that just becomes a fait accompli that you just think you can set it and forget it that's where you you end up with no or very low margin for error on the home front i would also tell you uh, as an extrapolation of this obviously we're trying to create margin between income and expenses on the home front the second piece to this is the way we look at our total assets Versus our total personal debt, okay? And this is the um, investment accounts. Um, this is retirement planning and funding. Um, this is all of the the you know squirrel putting away nuts for a cold day type of a thing. it's It's financial planning. I'm not trying to to be a financial planner here, and I'm certainly not giving financial planning advice. But, what I am doing is saying that you have to have a handle on how you're building assets versus what the debt is that you're carrying along the way. and and, and again, this is on the the personal side of the ledger. I'm not talking about the business right now, but are we able? To create enough margin in our income versus expenses to be able to fund an investment account for retirement purposes or otherwise? What is the level of personal debt that we're carrying that we have to satisfy every month that precludes us from being able to plan for, whether it's retirement or some level of uh, an investment account that might even yield some level of passive income with it? If you're not prudent about the way that you're setting aside dollars for a rainy day in the future or for retirement, however you want to categorize that, then it puts an unbelievable amount of pressure on you late in your career to sell a business for the sake of funding your retirement. You would rather not do that. You would rather have the sale of the business be the cherry on top, the thing that you know pushes you to the stratosphere in terms of you know your total assets um for uh, a point in life where you're scaling down your your work requirements you don't want to be a hamster on a wheel to work your butt off and and have the sale of the business be the only thing left that saves your retirement from from resulting in a a a substandard quality of life, uh, in late stages in your career, when your income earning days are long since gone. Okay. So this is the time to, on a personal level to think through income versus expenses. What is the, the margin there? I mean, is there any margin there? The second thing is what are your liquid assets versus the amount of debt, uh, that you have on your personal balance sheet at this stage? I'll also tell you that when I look at this um, or when my wife and I look at this with our financial planner and and I look at it more than once a year, um, I I do not factor in our house in terms of our entire asset mix. Some financial planners do, some don't. The reason that I don't is because for me to um, create a liquidity event, it's gonna mean that we have to leave our home. And I'm not interested in doing that. So realizing the value of the house to me is is a non-starter at this stage. For those that do, I think it gives you a false sense of security um, unless you are fully planning to downsize and exit your home. The reason this is important is because time works against you if you don't start this process early. And we see far too many people um, who engage us as a sell side representative to sell their business. and we start going through the process of that. We start talking about financial planning, the tax impact of selling the business, and you know where they want to uh, allocate their assets and and all that kind of stuff. And an alarming number of them do not have a first a, a personal financial planner and their late stage of their career and arguably, their retirement is not in good shape. So for those that, you know, are a a couple of years from maybe a liquidity event, I take a hard look at this right now. For those that are 10 to 20 years away and still have a, a long work career ahead of them, do this now. Start focusing on it now so you don't have to make up for lost time down the road. Okay, so looking at on the personal side of the ledger, income versus expenses and liquid assets versus debt and really assessing how much margin for error you have in both contexts on a personal level. Step number two, value of your business. And in this case, since we deal with group practices, I'm talking about value as a valuation multiple here. Rule of thumb again. This is really broad brush, but for those that are trying to to do some calcul- some rough calculations, is you know a business this probably sub five hundred thousand dollars in EBITDA is is going to be in that you know five x multiple range. You break a million dollars in EBITDA it's six times, two million dollars in EBITDA it's seven times. 3 million, it's eight times, and 4 million in EBITDA is probably 10 times. There is a lot that goes into that. That's not the gospel. These are just rules of thumb, and it's good enough to work with in, in terms of a starting point for you. So assessing the value of the business that you have right now Um Calculate your EBITDA, calculate what the valuation multiple might be in the valuation dollars of the business, and then look at the, the, the debt, the practice level debt, uh, that the business is carrying to understand valuation, less total volume of debt, if you were to sell it. And then I would use something in the neighborhood of about 25% to calculate the combined tax impact and advisor fees could be more could be less depends on the state you live in uh, depends on a lot of things there but 25% is just a rough number look we're not talking about selling the business today but i think it's worth it for you to understand the value of the business that you have right now and and what would be the net walkaway number if you did decide to sell it not that you're going to but it's always important to understand where you stand. And this is just a, an easy rule, simple rule of thumb for doing that. So gain a little bit of an understanding on what that net walk away number would be. Net after paying off practice level debt and after paying off taxes and any advisor fees, what would you be left with cash in the bank from the sale of the business? The second and corollary piece to that equation or thought process is, how much is your retirement dependent upon that? It kind of stems from what I started out talking about on the personal side of the ledger. But is your de- is your retirement 100% dependent upon the value of the sale of the business? I hope it isn't. But if it is, now is the number you just calculated in terms of value, uh, you know, um, uh, net value of the business. Uh, Is that going to be enough? Um, And if it's not, what are we prepared to do about it? That's a really heady question that you would rather answer right now as you're listening to a podcast versus having to think through when you're at the deal table. Okay, so thinking ahead about is your retirement dependent upon the sale of the business? And do you think the sale of the business through the napkin math we just used is going to cover what your needs are? The next component to this is assessing how much cash you have on balance sheet for the business. DeWalker and I have talked about this on multiple podcasts, and and sometimes it's off the cuff, but you know that we are big advocates of maintaining two times your monthly operating expenses in terms of cash on balance sheet. So, whatever it costs you to operate the business every month whatever that dollar figure is times two is the amount of cash you, sh- you should have on balance sheet at all times. So if you are not there, how how short are you? What, what are you lacking? What do we need to get there? This goes back to uh, the, the first question I posed, which was, you know, what's your margin for error at home income versus expenses? If you were drawing out, All of the cash out of the business at the end of every month, quarter, and year to fund your lifestyle, then you have no margin for error at home. If you have no margin for error at home, you can't build cash on balance sheet. So one flows from the other here. Our personal lives and our business lives are all interconnected, and you have to think through that entire equation from end to end. If you're able to create cash on balance sheet, It gives you a rainy day fund. It gives you a fallback position. It means that you could potentially make an acquisition without having to take on debt. Or it could mean that you could um, uh, buy a piece of uh, expensive equipment or technology uh, that creates more treatment possibilities for the business without having to take on debt to do it. So a cash position is prudent, especially sailing into the headwinds that we're going to encounter in the not too distant future. If you haven't been paying attention to us and you haven't heeded our advice on this two times operating expenses number that we've thrown out ad nauseum over the last year, do it now. Okay, it is going to be harder to make this up if the businesses start to take a downturn into the future. Do this now. It is prudent and is something you should have done before, uh, and you're running out of time to to make up um, that that amount of cash sitting on balance sheet. The next piece to this is how do you think through the margin of the business itself after you pay yourself as either an associate for those that are still doing clinical work or as the CEO for those that are in a leadership position? What is the EBITDA margin of your business after you pay yourself as an active participant in the business this again goes back to how we're trying to free up and generate more cash flow out of the business ultimately to to fund cash on balance sheet or or hopefully um, improve that position to create more flexibility going forward do you have a firm handle on The true EBITDA margin of the business, both dollars and percent, after you pay yourself as an active participant in the business. Active participant being as if you were an associate, if you're performing clinical services. If you're not performing clinical services, paying yourself as the CEO, meaning a day rate. I'm not talking about stripping all the money out of the business here, and I'm not talking about looking at EBITDA as if you didn't exist. You do, you have to account for your cost to the business because anybody that buys your business is gonna do the same. So don't think about your business as it exists without you present, unless it truly could. And there aren't many of you out there that that don't play a role in the business that are just a passive owner standpoint. So what is the EBITDA margin of the business? And, and the next step to this piece is, what can you do to improve it? What can you do to minimize some of the variable cost structure within your business? What are some of the areas where you could grow incrementally the revenue line of the business? This is more of a strategic planning question. This isn't something easy with a, uh, a cup of coffee and a legal pad by any stretch. But these are things that you should be thinking about now as we turn into 2023, especially if we start to face some headwinds because marginal improvement will go a long way to sustainability. So now that we have sort of thought through a couple of things on a personal side of the ledger, as well as the way the business is constituted presently, here's what I would ask you to think about. For one, if you plan to exit in the next five years, have you really thought through that process? Some of which I've alluded to today: financial planning, margin at home, value of the business, uh, your role in the business, the process both leading up to the sale and and outside of that. Um, after the business has been sold, your role in the the parent company, if required. Um, have you really gotten a handle on what that process is going to look like from end to end? If you plan on selling your business in the next five years, I would encourage you to spend some time thinking about that event. And I would also encourage you to consider, frankly, booking a day with DeWalker since he leads our sell side advisory here at Polaris. I would encourage you to spend a day, come to Charlotte and spend a day with DeWalker to go through an exit planning session. There are a lot of heady questions you need to think through we would also like to take a pass at your business to to see where some areas of improvement might be you'd like to improve it now to gain maximum value two years down the road for example and having a second set of eyes on your books and challenging some of your assumptions and tightening up a number of things is really prudent to do when there's no pressure on all right so if if the thought process is that you want to be free and clear and gone in five years then I would encourage you to to book an exit planning session with the Walker and kind of lay out that process based on what what your needs are financially speaking and what you want your role to be from an operational standpoint after the liquidity event and any other low hanging fruit that we might see in your business that you could uh, fine tune and and you know realize before you go to market. Getting out ahead of that uh, has a lot of merit. Um, and the, the dollars, the time investment yields great dollars at a transaction level. That's for those that are looking at exiting with, I I say within the next five years, being free and clear and gone within the next five years is really my my thought process there. For those that aren't looking to exit, for those that are looking, uh, that are mid-career or younger, they have 10 years to go, 20 years to go, a lot longer to go. I think you need to spend a few minutes and have what I call a 10-year face-in-the-mirror test. The -the face-in-the-mirror test is is a pretty simple analogy, and you see this written in a number of business books. And and it's basically that if you're staring yourself dead in the eyes, looking at yourself in the mirror, it's really hard to lie to yourself, (laughs) okay? It's really hard to delude yourself. The face in the mirror test is is one that is is a, a gut check type of an assessment. And when you think about it in terms of a 10-year a context, looking at your business and your role within the business, I would encourage you to spend a little bit of time and, and say, is your business good enough to sustain your needs personally and weather the storm of competition over that period of time? Okay. Is your business real, truly be honest with yourself. Is your business good enough to sustain you and your family's needs over that 10 year period? Or do we think that there may be some headwinds, some challenges, some heightened competition, some threats over the horizon that cause you to look at your your business differently. Jack welsh the former CEO uh, and and chairman of General Electric, who was obviously a huge business pioneer going back into the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, celebrated as such and justifiably so, always had. Um, he's got a number of of sayings and quotes. One of which that I always fall back on is: "See things the way they are." not the way you want them to be. See things the way they are, not the way you want them to be. And for Jack Welsh, you know, a lot of that really was at an enterprise level. He GE was a multi, multinational conglomerate in a lot of different business lines um, simultaneously. And he would take that approach at an enterprise level and sell off pieces of the company that he feel he felt were not equipped to compete over the next decade, moving forward. Um, and and that was sacrilege to a lot of career GE, GE employees. Um, for Welsh, it was pretty simple that if you see things the way they are, not the way you want them to be, you don't delude yourself your objective about the coming decade, and you make decisions around that objectivity that that really force force you to do things to make the business more competitive and, and be on a firmer footing moving forward. So as we think about, for those of us who are building group practices, as we think about the next decade... There's going to be some level of a recession to come. That's going to there's that's just an interim phase. We're all going to deal with that over the next I don't know six to twenty four months, however long it lasts and however deep it is. Coming out of that, there's going to be further heightened competition. Uh, and and you see that in declining insurance reimbursement rates. You see that in the changing workforce you see that in the the costs of doing business you see that in increase in payroll costs you see that in greater threats as it relates to enterprise level dso's entering your marketplace and on and on and on you have to be objective about how your business is constituted right now and do you really think that you're on firm footing that allows you to compete over the next decade if you do congratulations on having built a great business. And and I'm confident you're going to reap the rewards of that. If you have not, or you think that the business is on shaky grounds, what are you prepared to do about it? This is the time to, to tighten it down. This is the time to really focus on how you're building your business and how you can create continued growth and sustainable sustainable profitability into the future so it's this 10-year face in the mirror test is something that's critically important and i think some of you do it but not all of you do so if if you feel like you are on firm footing um then obviously sustain your operations. Um, and if you if you wanna continue to expand, maybe secure dry powder in terms of growth capital. If you're not confident in your ability to, to sustain the business for the next decade, then you've gotta resolve um, to, to put some effort and focus on operations uh, for improvement sake. And you've got to source growth opportunities because if the business isn't firmly founded right here right now today to say that that footing is going to sustain you for 10 years is a a false hope okay so i think if it's a you know if you're again if you're looking at a potential exit in the next five years i i think you ought you owe it to yourself to to spend a day probably with the walker uh, and go through that exit planning process to gain clarity around what all of that is. Uh, if you are in the, uh, you know, build and operate mode, meaning you're not going to be exiting in five years, you're building a business that'll, you know, make it through the next 10 years and beyond, and you want some help thinking through that, um, obviously, we have strategic planning sessions and, and uh, uh, discovery days that are one-on-one. I teach most of them, actually. Uh, so those are immensely beneficial to um, a, a number of clients and, and I have a lot of them scheduled over the, about the next 60 to 90 days. So welcome the opportunity to host you if, you, if that interests you as well. So I think this is a, a pivotal point in time, I really do. I think um, at a macro level, we're gonna be seeing some things we haven't seen in a while. We're already experiencing some of that. And I think it's gonna uh, get uh, more, more dramatic as we enter Q1 of 2023 Um, That being said, I'm really, really optimistic about the profession, the industry, uh, and everything so many of you are doing and certainly what we're doing here at Polaris. So I I look at this as some tough times coming up, but I also look at those tough times as being filled with opportunities um, for the right people to capitalize on it. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I hope uh, this has been beneficial for you as you enter your own personal planning sessions and and have that gut check for twenty twenty three. this um, will this will uh, give you hopefully a lot of things to think about. If there are things that you've got questions about, feel free to drop me an email uh, directly at perrin at polararishealthcarepartners dot com or you can schedule a call with me directly off of our website. There are a number of links to book a call there. Uh, And and hopefully this has been beneficial. Once again, I want to thank all of you for being in the audience. Um, We really appreciate it. We appreciate the downloads, the new subscribers, and we appreciate you sharing the show with with your colleagues. It's how we grow our network. It's how we grow our brand uh, and how we grow our client base, honestly. It's a lot of fun. This has been a great year for us at Polaris. We'll put a bow on it and recap it. In an episode coming up but suffice to say we're all grateful here for all of you everything you do with us and the nice compliments you share thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber we'll see you on the next episode